0: Tonight, the World Light Heavyweight title is online when Japan's Jushin Thunder Liger defends his title against Flyin' Brian. The World Tag Team titles at stake when the Steiners go head-to-head against Iron Anderson and Beautiful Bobby. The United States Heavyweight title is challenged when Ravishing with Rome battles Ricky the Dragon steamboat. And the World Heavyweight title match, the Total Package Lex Luger against his former best friend, Sting. Live from the Mecca in Milwaukee, it's Super Brawl!
1: Welcome again to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern
2: Alex. Joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick
1: Young. And Patrick, as we approach, this is the last Retro Wrestling Podcast of 2016. It is. What do you have from the news desk for us? It is. Well, we want to thank our
2: fans for a good first year. We also want to... uh,
1: Well, considering we started in September,
2: uh, we've only actually been three months in.
1: Well, I mean, you know,
2: still though thank the radio station for allowing us to do this. And we want to thank them for carrying us over to the next year. And uh, we would also like to thank each and every one of you for listening in. I know it's hard for you to find us sometimes, but we are growing bigger and bigger by days. So we want to thank our true blue fans and uh, for writing in. And staying up to date with us however on the news sting has become the head coach of the dallas cowboys
1: did you hear this no not the head coach he's like the head like motivation coach or something he goes in the locker room and fires him up the video i saw he was head coach <laughs> no he's not the head although not he, man although face- he couldn't figure out how to work
2: the copier so he just beat it up with the bat
1: so yeah i i retired earlier this year and uh kind of laying low and, and not a whole lot going on and boredom sets in and I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan and I heard they were looking for a, an intimidation coach and so shot in the dark I know but I applied for the job and I got it. Erica how you doing? Stupid copy machine. Just, Just a little love tap oh is that part. right yeah oh there's a whole like uh parody video about yeah, i it? think that's what the
2: whole the whole skit
1: thing was about all right i'll a
2: parody i'll put it on though it's it's hilarious actually it's really funny because people just keep staring at him he's all painted up face and everything it's it's pretty funny they don't
1: understand the stinger
2: natalia turns heel and admits the nikki. attack yeah yeah nikki into the uh into the door or whatever happened so uh, yeah
1: survivor series taking yeah. her out of the team yeah, yeah, that wasn't a big shocker because uh, Carmela said it was Natalia that did it.
2: Well, I mean, I love the fact that they finally are giving her some some well deserved attention.
1: Well, yeah, she gets to go against the number one lady in the company. I mean, number two, I guess, behind Charlotte. Yeah. This is Missus John Cena, basically. So, yeah, but they're never getting married. And well, that's what Natalia
2: says. You know,
1: it's a good way to incorporate the total divas and make you. You know, I would never watch Total Divas, but if they keep incorporating it into storylines, maybe I'll turn it on every once in a while. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, it goes right back to the next one with uh, with Miz getting slapped by uh, Renee Young. Oh, yeah, yeah. She smacked the hell out of him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I She laid that in.
1: I'm not sure that I'm a big fan of this just because I think she's better as an interviewer. I don't want to see her wrestle and... I mean, if they actually do go in the direction of pairing her up with Dean Ambrose, I think it makes Dean Ambrose's character kind of The Lunatic Fringe... someone that's called the Lunatic Fringe wouldn't have a girlfriend. Right. And he wouldn't he certainly wouldn't care if she, you know, was insulted by somebody if he had a girlfriend. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The lunatic fringe should have like a lot of prostitutes. <laughs> I mean, he should. So I think it kind of ruins his. Unless they're going in a dirt where they're changing his character, you know, make make him start wearing suits instead of uh, make Renee the controlling girlfriend and make Dean Ambrose start wearing suits and ties and start. So
2: the exact opposite of Lana and Rusev, pretty much.
1: Yeah, where yeah, where the woman's the woman in got charge. All the power. Yeah, instead of Rusev, where Lana's sort of subservient to him, but right. I, I actually kind of like that idea. I mean, Dean Ambrose, I think. His character is just kind of... There's nowhere to go with him.
2: They've... Uh, as a
1: face, especially.
2: Yeah, they've they've kind of let him sit there and stagnant now, and it's, they've either got to kickstart that motor again, or they've got to go with a different direction on him.
1: I think when they started out with him as the lunatic fringe, it was fine, but then they started incorporate. You know, he's spraying Kane with, like, mustard and ketchup bottles, and he's doing wacky. You're wacky Uncle Dean Ambrose or whatever, and yeah. after that, it was just... Sort of over. So I, it would, whatever change is coming for him would be good, but I'm not sure pairing him with Renee on screen is going to really help. How do you think Renee will do in the ring? Because
2: I see that coming.
1: Well, Maurice was terrible in the ring when she was a wrestler, so if it's just for this one-off tag match or whatever, you know, you can have matches like when Trish first started wrestling and she wrestled Stephanie, and neither of them were really trained wrestlers at that point. They still put on an entertaining brawl. Snookies actually wrestled a match. I mean, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, if they don't have them try too much, yeah, keep it short and simple, and let the guys do the work, and... You know, have the women get in there and catfight for a second and then tag out or whatever, yeah. and that's that's yeah. all you can really do.
2: All right. In April, a movie uh trailer came out for WWE and a lot of people don't know it exists, but I have I'm ecstatic about this movie. Uh the resurrection of Gavin Stone is coming out January twentieth. If you haven't seen this, check it out. It's uh Shawn Michaels debut actually in a uh in a wwe movie and it's a it tells a great story it's got a good good message behind it um just a shout out right there just you know check that one out it's gonna be good it's gonna come straight to dvd january 20th then i have one last one
1: short list today well it was a slow week it was a short, slow week. short list
2: he's always checking lists and making sure who's naughty and nice chris jericho but well i meant Santa. Oh. But okay. Santa has made another list. He has made the list of Jericho.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, on Monday. The highlight of Raw was Santa making Santa the Claus list. Santa
2: Claus made the list of Jericho. So. Not much
1: to really like on that episode of Raw. I didn't see it live but I watched the highlights of it. Man, Enzo going to counseling or whatever. Whew, that, that was, was so, rough. It was yeah. dragged on forever and now they're going to pair Gender Mahal with Rusev and some sort of tag team and yeah, the main event they they give us every single combination of Reigns, Rollins, Jericho, and Owens every single week, and it's going to be like that. I feel like until WrestleMania, I mean, because Triple H isn't going to work, you know, on Monday Night Raw. So yeah, I'm kind of sick of that. But boy, they really are pushing Braun Strowman. He had he had the highlight really on Monday where man, and he chucked uh Sin Cara through Sinkara the Christmas
2: through those Christmas trees. <laughs> I mean, he threw him a good twenty thirty feet. The highlight of I mean, Sinkara's year. He threw him a good 20, twenty thirty feet. So that was uh yeah. It was really, pretty funny. That was funny. And uh the
1: abominable uh strowman. Yes, there you go. In a couple years when he's already, you know, when he's already been to the main event and it's going back down, I'm sure they'll dress him up like a snowman eventually. So, okay.
2: Rumors are going around that Braun Strowman is gonna hit Brock Lesnar up for Wrestlemania and that is a oh, fight oh it's
1: definitely gotta be Goldberg and Lesnar see
2: that's what I'm thinking but I'm thinking if Goldberg wins they go a different direction Goldberg wins a rumble you have Lesnar get eliminated by Braun Strowman. Not only is Lesnar mad because Goldberg made him look like crap, now Braun Strowman made him look like crap. He goes back. They kind of they split off. Goldberg gets his title run. Brock break out into a into a little run. What do you think?
1: Well, I've also thought I've also heard that Taker might be in the Rumble this year. So maybe Taker breaks off with Goldberg and then they break Strowman off with Lesnar, but I don't yeah. see Goldberg in an actual title match at WrestleMania. You don't see him, actually? I just don't see if If he does, then he'll come up short, but I don't see him, especially when you know, I don't think he signed a long-term contract, you know? I yeah. think that this is just a per-appearance thing, so until we see news pop up that he signed a long-term deal, then... I mean, he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's the headliner of the Hall of Fame. This year? Yes. Okay. And then I think... Actually I think pairing him with Undertaker would be better than the Lesnar match because he beat Lesnar so decisively in that yeah. Survivor Series match. I can't I don't want to see it again. That's where I'd like the direction to go. Well again Sting
2: was questioned about is it going to be him and Taker at WrestleMania this year and Sting says he would love to have that happen but he just doesn't see he doesn't foresee WWE they're all- not going to clear allowing, him, yeah. that's what he said, clearing him to step back in the ring, but that that is strictly all on their decision. It's all on their time, but that he he'll do anything that they want him to do.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate, but they're in a position where they have made such a big deal out of taking injuries more serious that they can't they, they can't, can't let him back. Yeah. So, we're never going to get our dream match. One day maybe. One day on the independent circuit. <laughs> the, it might actually happen,
2: but yeah. So Those
1: guys could just do, what they should do is when, when Undertaker finally hangs it up, they should just go on a tour of them putting on that match in small arenas all over the you know world. Oh,
2: it'll sell, yeah.
1: They'll make a lot
2: of money. They could go to the Georgia Dome and sell it out like nothing on a, an independent show. I mean, just saying, hey, it's going to be Undertaker versus Sting.
1: Yeah. You can't see it on TV. No. Nah. Can't get it anywhere else. Even though they're... Combined age is well over hundred years old. So, oh, I saw you post the uh, the trailer to the Flair Thirty for Thirty though. This yes, week. yes, I did post that on my Facebook page. Really, not very revealing trailer. It's just no, him it's... saying that he has the best clothes and the best cars. He he just cuts a normal Ric Flair promo, right? But with uh, Thirty for Thirty next year, we get the XFL documentary in February, and then at some point the Ric Flair one. So I'm really looking forward to those two.
2: I am too. I've been waiting for the Ric Flair for almost a. Six months now, so when they announced it,
1: I just hope that it's not too much Ric Flair kayfabe. I hope that they really, they really dove into the truth. like his financial troubles and all the yeah. all the divorces and getting into the fight with Charlotte's ex-husband and with Bram, I guess, and just all the stuff that's happened to Ric Flair and uh, just came in. Rick Flair, on December
2: 23rd, was sworn in as Clayton County Deputy of the Clayton County Sheriff's Department in Clayton County, Georgia. So there you go. Now we have to call him Deputy Ric Flair. The 16-time World's Champion is now a Clayton County Sheriff's Department Deputy. So.
1: Yeah, so someone was going to get pulled over by Ric Flair. Somebody will get pulled over by Rick, and then he's gonna get and he's gonna get chopped in the chest. Yes, he's gonna disable you. You know, it's gonna be hard for a giant stretch limo patrol car to be out there on the streets That's chasing down difficult. the bad guys. Yeah, and you know who's gonna drive him? Because Rick Flair doesn't drive. And I mean, he's not gonna be able to chase the criminals through the yards because he doesn't want to get his gators dirty. And you better not touch him in the head, man. He'll bleed like crazy. <laughs> He'll bleed just from looking at a bad guy. But that's all I've got news-wise. What do you have? Uh, That was pretty much it. I guess since it's the end of the year, can you think of match of the year? Who would you put for match of the year in the WWE? I'll limit it to that. No. I'm going to go SummerSlam, AJ Styles, John Cena for my match of the year.
2: I was thinking that one, but then I started to go a different direction with, with Goldberg and Lesnar, even though it wasn't, you know, but the hype around it and the way it has exploded. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. You're just, with athleticism and the hype around it and everything, yeah, I got to go with I mean, Cena and AJ styles, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: who would your superstar of the year be? Oh, the resurrection of Goldberg. Wow, that's a good pick. I was, I thought you were going to go with uh, James Ellsworth for some reason.
2: I want to, but he let me down on This Thursday, week, man. yeah, he got demolished. He let me
1: down, dude. You know, I think that match would have gone differently had it been had it taken place two weeks ago when it was supposed to, I think it would have been more of a match, but they were in a hurry to get this thing over with and yeah. so yeah, he just got squashed. But now he's got a thing going with Carmella. So now he's uh he's in a new program. So Yeah. Still a focused part of Smackdown. Sold a lot of T shirts this year. I wish him all the
2: well, man. He has turned a longtime career into something that only Mick Foley has been able to do other
1: my superstar of the year I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a tie basically. I'm going to say that AJ Styles and Charlotte are the superstars of the year because I think Charlotte has really improved. I Charlotte, yeah. From where she was at the beginning of the year to where she is now, I think she's improved. She's probably the most improved. AJ Styles was already the best yeah. in the
2: world. So. 14 pay-per-views and she's undefeated in all fourteen pay-per-views this year.
1: Not only that, just her mic work has gotten a lot better. Slapping Ric Flair a couple weeks ago was pretty cool. I mean, oh, she's as a, a, as a
2: heel, she's straight up over.
1: She's their, uh, yeah, she's their big superstar.
2: So, uh, so yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I I might have to change mine to uh, to your pick as well, AJ Charlotte, because I'd forgotten all about Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair has really dominated this year.
1: So we go from a flare that dominated this year to a flare that was absent in 1992 in WCW. A big loss, and you could tell from this pay-per-view he was sorely missed.
2: It was a this was kind of a rough pay-per-view, somewhat. Yeah.
1: Well, the crowd I thought was very dead. This was uh, February 29th, 1992. It's Super Brawl number two at Milwaukee Theater in the Mecca. In front of 5,000 fans and 5,000 mostly quiet fans for most of the Only night.
2: Only 5,000 fans.
1: Yeah, wow. a very small. Wow,
2: they them close to that ring then.
1: I'm sure whatever ticket you bought, yeah, they said come on down yeah. and, and gather around. First come, first serve kind of thing. But that's why, yeah, it was dark around the back areas so you couldn't see up in there. But a big contrast to, the paper, to Great American Bash 1990, which had like 15,000 fans
2: and they were crammed in there,
1: but they were going nuts the whole time. And and so even, even if you have small, smaller crowds, if they go crazy, it makes up for it. But Super Brawl 2, the crowd was just not feeling it that much. And, uh, if they had Ric Flair, I think it would have uh, helped out quite a bit. Add some star power to this. Easy E and Tony Schiavone welcomes us. They give their opinions on all the title matches that will be happening tonight. We go backstage with Missy Hyatt. She says she'll be backstage tonight. Yes, we we know that because we saw you backstage. Uh, the dark match we missed, uh, we missed a good one here. Big Josh versus DDP, unfortunately. Oh, we didn't wow. get to see that, which would have been what? DDP, I mean, started wrestling probably around this time. So yeah. this would have been one of the very early DDP matches.
2: Big Josh used to come out with a grizzly
1: bear. <laughs> really yeah he used
2: to come out on a chain with a grizzly bear
1: that would have been awesome and uh or i've seen him they with, must not have had the bear that's why this is only match.
2: a few times do it yeah so for like big big shows big events so yeah that would have been cool to actually see that match
1: jim ross is in the ring and he announces the new addition to wcw it's the debut of jesse the body ventura on commentary they originally thought they had some big WWF guy signed, so they teased a big debut at this pay-per-view. They couldn't get the big WWF guy to sign, so they brought in... They
2: got Mayor Jesse Ventura, not Governor yet.
1: Jesse the body still. He's not quite the mind yet. No, he's mayor. He's mayor of what? He's, a, he's mayor. A of, mayor of some city in Minnesota? Yeah. At this point in time, he was
2: mayor of Minnesota.
1: The entire state of Minnesota. Or some city, yeah, or whatever. So now Jesse is going to be doing the color commentary with Jr. He comes out on a motorcycle. Jesse Ventura has on a tie-dye shirt, a WCW hat, sunglasses, and a frilly leather biker jacket, like a an yeah. Indian jacket.
2: Yeah, like an Indian jacket. Yeah.
1: Jr. asks uh, Ventura if he has any predictions. He suggests that Jr. should have a cowboy hat, and he'd look like Jr. Ewing from Dallas. Oh look! So there. this is where Vince this stole the idea from. The, yeah, I never even thought about that connection to the guy on Dallas being named Jr. with a cowboy hat and Jim Ross with a cowboy hat. But Jesse Ventura—that is
2: brilliant, actually.
1: Well, I bet now Jr. loves his hat now, but yeah, when he first got the hat, when Vince made him wear the hat, he hated it. Yeah, so it's it's really weird how that worked out. Like, if, yeah, I guess the gimmick got over. I guess we I love get, the cowboy hat personally. Now <laughs> on just, Jr.
2: Yeah, but it sucks for, for uh, Bradshaw.
1: Well, he doesn't wear it. No. That's the thing about the hat is that at least when Jim Ross had the hat, well, on camera, he had the hat on when yeah. he was sitting at the table. Yeah. If you're going to wear a hat out to the ring and just set it on the table, why'd you even bring it out, yeah. JBL? Yeah. Our first match of the night, Flying Brian and Jushin Thunder Liger, who's still wrestling today.
2: I I love Liger. Now that's a very underrated athlete right there.
1: Oh, he's the godfather of cruiserweights. Yeah, say. absolutely. Twenty four years later, this man's still in the ring today. It's
2: Yeah, we just saw him on uh, Takeover earlier this year.
1: Yeah, and he worked uh he worked the Battle of Los Angeles for PWG, I think, yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. So I
2: think he hit uh he also hit Ring of Honor this year. So
1: gets a lot of, always wrestles in a mask though in uh in America. One in Japan, few, sometimes he doesn't.
2: I was going to say, one of the few people that I've never seen his real face.
1: Oh, well, don't go to his Wikipedia page then. because Is it on there? Yeah, he's, it's a good thing he wears a mask. Is let's it? Let's say. Uh, this is, well, it's also a good thing when it keeps you, you never age. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks the same today as he did yeah. in 1992. maybe a little heavier today than he was in 1992, but. He's in his full body suit and mask. Flying Brian comes out. The match starts. We get those stereo drop kicks where we both try drop kick at the same time and we miss. And then Pillman hits a nice twisting head scissors on Liger to take him down. Pillman drop kicks him out of the ring and then does a double mule kick to Liger, who's standing outside on the ring mats. They get back in the ring. Liger hits a moonsault on a standing Brian Pillman and only gets a two count. Liger whips Pillman to the turnbuckle and drop kicks him out of it. Pillman catches Liger with a crucifix for a two count. Pillman hits a belly-to-belly for two and a half. Liger decides to focus on Pillman's leg. You gotta ground that high flyer, Brian Pillman. So Liger locks in a figure four. Then Pillman gets a USA chant going because he's the only American in the match, so... (laughs) USA, why not? And he reverses the pressure in the figure four. They roll over the ropes, and it gets broken up. Liger locks Pillman in a very painful-looking modified crab, almost like a Walls of Jericho uh, Boston crab. He gets out by using an enziguri. Somehow yeah. works his way out and hits an enziguri to get out of this Boston crab. Very unusual. Liger hits a rolling senton off the top rope to Pillman, who is standing on the mats below. Very impressive. Pillman rebounds with a springboard clothesline to get back into the ring. Then Pillman suplexes Liger to the mats from the ring apron. Pillman whips Liger to the ropes for a power slam. He gets a two count off of it. Liger hits a bridging German for a two count. Then Liger sets Pillman up on the top rope for a superplex. Pillman counters and hits his crossbody. And Liger kicks out before the ref's hand comes down for three. So he kicked out of Pillman's finisher. Very unusual that someone yeah. kicks out of finishers in 1992. Liger hits a powerbomb on Pillman but only gets a two count. Pillman counters Liger, who was going for a... It looked like he was going for a Styles Clash. Pillman DDTs Liger, but he's too close to the ropes. They hit flying headbutts on each other after hitting the ropes. They jumped and headbutt each other from the ropes. Liger superplexes Pillman, but Pillman kicks out at two. Liger goes back upstairs, misses a flying headbutt. Pillman bridges Liger and wins in 17 minutes of very intense light heavyweight action. And now Pillman is the light heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Again.
2: And I hate to I hate to say this, but this was match of the night. Yes, right out of the gate, and Just the like, crowd
1: loved it. Standing over, not a standing ovation, but a big pop. And then they do the, uh, the respect spot, yeah. shake hands, hug yeah. each other. Two faces going at but, it. Yeah,
2: so. right out of the gate, man. This was match of the night. And we're only going. Yeah. We were only going down. We it was not going up. You started at the peak, and you worked your way down for this for this show.
1: Yeah, so. I love this match. I thought yeah, this I match tell. would hold up very well today. Even yeah, uh, I thought Pillman. He kind of used a grounded offense a little too much, but...
2: Well, I mean, he had some great aerial in there, too. So, yeah. And, and some major, major moments of aerial. So, it, it yeah, it's forgiven.
1: Missy Hyatt is backstage with Terry Taylor. He's going to face Buff Bagwell tonight. And I noted here he's wearing Million Dollar Man's suit. It's that black with the gold trim suit. He stole that from Ted DiBiase. It's
2: the Taylor-made man. No, that was... They
1: have the same Taylor, then. That was an
2: Eric Bischoff.
1: Terry Taylor flipped back and forth between WCW and WWF like several times.
2: I don't see how in the world that they can, um, how they can, they can get away with doing doing the tailor made man gimmick. Something tells me Vince would have have stopped it pretty quick.
1: Well, I I doubt he got to wear that suit jacket again. That suit jacket, it was the same million. It was the same, identical. Yeah. Yeah. Terry Taylor, like I mentioned, he went back and forth between these two companies probably more than anybody else. He, he would go back to the WWF a couple years later, then come back to WCW a couple years later, and then go back. He, he'd do two years at each one and keep going back and forth. Yeah, the he, former Red Rooster here,
2: yeah, the Red Rooster, the Taylor Made Man.
1: Uh, I liked him when he was
2: just straight Terry Taylor, and back in the old NWA days.
1: Taylor says that he keeps telling Buff Bagwell. He could be like him and have all the girls and all the money if he wanted, but he's got to let Taylor take him under his wing. So this is a, a guy that wants to be a mentor, and Buff Bagwell's not going to turn heel and join Terry Taylor. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And he had a poofy haircut here, a, a Buffante.
2: Yeah, this was like a jerry curl kind of... No, it's like
1: a... I don't know. It's like pressed... I. It's very... It was
2: weird, yeah. It was some some grandmother... It's
1: it's poofed up and slicked back at the same time. Yeah,
2: it was weird. It was... I don't even know what to call
1: it. A contest winner, Barry Abrams, gets to announce the uh, participants in this match... This would have been a dream job for you, Patrick. You yeah. could have announced your heroes coming to the ring. He's in very weird attire, this contest winner, though, because his top party has the suit on. He has a suit.
2: And as we zoom
1: back out, we see he's in basketball shorts. <laughs> yeah. And basketball high tops. Hey, I guess he didn't dress for this occasion, and they only had, they didn't have any pants that would fit this young man. And.
2: Either know that or they wanted to do it as a joke. I don't know. Or he wanted to do it. as a joke. I don't really
1: know, the truth. The crowd didn't like him. He briefly gets booed by the crowd here just yeah. for doing an announce for announcing the people in the match. He did yeah. fine, I thought. Taylor is half of the US Tag Team Champions with Greg Valentine. Thank goodness he's not on this show. You why do you not like
2: Tommy? Hey, he out. sucks. Why do you not like Greg Valentine?
1: Because he sucks, man. I don't like how he sells moves. He's one of the worst selling like when Flair gets chopped and then waits a couple seconds and falls on his face, that's good to do one time a match. Greg Valentine, watch WrestleMania 4. His match was savage. That's all he does. That's the only way he knows how to bump is to get hit yeah. and then fall down on his own time, which is probably why he's probably still wrestling on the independent circuit today is because he never took a bump in his life the right way. Like So that's why I don't like him. And he's just hideous ugly. He's I, one of the ugliest men I've ever seen in pro wrestling. I like Greg Valentine. Of course brother. you do. I have not a lot of notes for this match. I say Bagwell gets his ass kicked for the entire match. Pretty much, yeah. And then he gets a roll-up with the help of the tights, so he kind of does turn heel at the end of the match. He gets a roll-up and beats Terry Taylor, but then Taylor hits his finisher on Bagwell, so he gets all the heat. And so what was the point of this match? Absolutely nothing. I don't really know why this match was even on, on the
2: card. Truthfully, except as a spot filler. Now, uh, there's a
1: couple of other matches that I think I'm like, why is this even happening? This
2: next one, though, we'll just go ahead and skip this match because it was terrible. But this next one, though, Cactus Jack takes on Ron Simmons.
1: Yes, which since we have already seen Wrestle War 92, we know where this leads to. Right. Harley Race is in the back, though, and he tells Missy Hyatt that Luger's in the best shape of his life for the main event tonight. And he's going to be the champ tonight, and he's going to be the champ tomorrow. You're right, though. Cactus Jack is out now. He comes out to organ music. It's sort of like an Undertaker knockoff theme song. It's not Mr. Bang Bang or whatever. It's very... It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it was was almost... Yeah, it was like funeral march music or whatever. Ron Simmons is out next. He gets a big pop from the crowd. Uh, The match starts. Simmons eats a big boot from Mr. Cactus Jack. Then Cactus hangs himself in the ropes, which is how he lost an ear. Yeah. Why would you keep doing... Why would you do this? This is the most dangerous thing I think you could possibly do. Yeah. Aside it, from just slamming your neck on the ground as hard as possible.
2: He is the only man that I know that is like, sure, let's do that spot. Because other guys, you'll say, hey, you want to try the Cactus Jack? Which is known now as a Foley spot or a Cactus Jack spot. Do you want... It? And they're like, no, I'm not that stupid. So I don't understand why he would want to... I mean, because it does. If, if you don't get it pulled apart enough and you try shoving your head down through there, it will rip your ears off. There is no joke about
1: it. Well, and it also makes the other wrestler look kind of stupid because he has to help you get out of this thing. Because he could just... Ron Simmons could have just left him hanging there and just left, I guess. Start
2: welling away at yeah. him while the
1: referee's pushing him out. Yeah, but Simmons actually has to help well, untangle if the, referee,
2: if the referee isn't strong enough to get you out, then don't do this spot because then it just ruins the
1: whole thing. So Cactus Jack, he... Decides to leave through the crowd, but Simmons runs him down and drags him back out. Simmons hits a scoop slam and a leg drop for a two. Then Cactus hits his WWF finisher, the double underhook DDT, followed by a leg drop. But this only gets a two count on Ron Simmons. Then Cactus chucks Simmons outside, hits his big signature elbow off the second rope to Simmons on the mats below. Simmons hits a spine buster to Cactus Jack on the ramp. And this is a Mick Foley. He's got, he's going to take time off this early this next year to get Hip replacement surgery, and uh, I think we can see why. Yeah, um, all the things that he does. Cactus tries to move off the second rope when they get back into the ring, but Simmons catches him, slams him, and gets the win in six minutes thirty four seconds. But here's where the real story of the match is: the post match beat down when Abdullah the Butcher decides, "Hey, I'm going to come out and help Cactus Jack beat this guy up." So they start fighting Simmons and out of nowhere, kicking his ass, and in the crowd, who was he bought a ticket? He was he just bought a
2: ticket was the one and only junkyard dog and junkyard dog sitting there seeing his friend get beat up he couldn't take it he couldn't take it and so he gets up and he walks down the steps and as he gets to the bottom security guard that security guard's like no dude you don't want to get involved he knocks the hell out of him
1: and then he gets over the guardrail and knocks two more out of the way But that
2: first one, though, he knocked the... That dude's head twist off, practically. He hit him so hard.
1: The crowd goes nuts when JYD gets into the ring. He takes his shirt off. He probably should have left his shirt on at this point in his career. We get JYD chance breaking out. Ventura rightly says that JYD should be fined and suspended. Buying a ticket does not allow you to do this. Jim Ross agrees, but morally he had to do it, Patrick. He had no other choice. Ventura says he doesn't care about morals, rules, or rules. I. This is why I love Jesse Ventura, a man that obeys the rules. It's not cheating until you get caught. That's, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, it's it's not cheating unless you get caught. I mean, you should always cheat. Yeah. Unless you get caught.
2: Yeah. And then just say, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> that, that sets up the match for WrestleWar92 that we saw that right. JYD was injured before the match started, so yeah. we never get a payoff to this. Right. And Abdul the Butcher wasn't even in the match.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think at this point in time was when Abdullah was on his way back over to Japan.
1: Bischoff and Shivani, they're going to plug the three title matches we have on the show tonight. Then here's your—this is really your match of the night. I know you said you liked the cruiserweight match, but I think this is where you really marked out when Vinny Vegas— Vinny Vegas! Kevin yes. Nash and Richard Heel Morton, formerly of the Rock and Roll Express— Ricky Morton. —who are tagging for what reason again? None. Just yeah, no explanation. This is, yeah.
2: <laughs> no <laughs> explanation. We just threw them together for the hell of it. They come out. Taking uh, on Z-Man and Heavy Metal Van Hammer.
1: Ventura says, while Vinny Vegas and Richard Morton are walking out, Ventura says every Vinny he knows wears ugly suits and it has a tube of cream in his hair. Burn, Vince McMahon. As soon as I saw Heavy Metal Van Hammer and Z-Man walk out, I said, I just really want to skip this match. <laughs> It's a shame that we do this review show and I have to sit here and watch this match occur. Van Hammer's cow print jacket and his Van Halen pants and his guitar. He looks terrible.
2: You know, the bad part about it is Van Hammer could really wrestle. He was a really
1: good wrestler. Well, he's a guy that if he had been in the WWF, they could have found a character for him. Yeah. I mean, had he gotten, had he made it to the WWF, say, before Undertaker got there, he could have gotten that gimmick. I mean, think of how the world would have changed.
2: You have a heavy metal, or was it rock and roll Max Payne or whatever at this time in <laughs> WWF, and then you have heavy, heavy metal Van Hammer.
1: Everyone's heavy metal. And yeah, so
2: same character, two companies.
1: I noticed that Van Hammer here looks like a pretty tall guy. He's almost as big as uh, Kevin Nash yeah, when they're in the ring.
2: six seven, six eight. 6'7",
1: 6'8". I only have two notes for this match. Z-Man one time did a nice dive to the outside on Morton. And then at one point, had a nice flurry of offense. Eventually, here's how the match ends Z Man gets the hot tag and rolls up Richard Morton for the win in 12 minutes and one second.
2: Your favorite part of this match, though, was when Vinny Vegas hit a big boot and decides to stand there and roll the dice
1: in the ring. Oh, I didn't, I did not make a note of that. That's. But, I remember seeing the big boot, but I didn't know that he did the dice. He, he was
2: standing around doing this and he was blowing on it doing this and then throws the dice and just kept throwing it all on, on Van Hammer. Oh, so
1: that, he was a terrible wrestler here. I mean, that was and he only approved ever so slightly. You know, I don't think Kevin Nash ever got To be great in the ring. And I will say this, though. When you look at him here versus Mean Mark from last week, I see more potential in Kevin Nash than Mean Mark. Oh, yeah. Even though Mean Mark had way more offense than Kevin Nash. I mean, Kevin Nash just threw strikes. Even the big boot, his one move was just a big strike. Yeah. So, But just the looks of him, I can tell that Kevin Nash has way more charisma than Undertaker will ever have, but but we saw what happened with Kevin Nash later on, and now I actually think Vinny Vegas isn't a bad gimmick, you know, if for the right for the right guy, yeah, if you're sitting
2: there actually throwing invisible dice there in the middle of a match,
1: (laughs) Disco Inferno would have made a great Vinny Vegas, there, yeah, but uh, WCW was just oblivious to height or something because they never, you know, all these giants, you know, in WWF these guys are giants, you know, they're just made out to be so tall. But here they're just treated like everybody else. Like they never they don't make a mention like, "Oh my goodness, this guy's." Well,
2: they made him Oz months. just like months before this, he was Oz. And, oh, had, right. and they yeah. put him in that like 4-foot dunce cap, which made him even taller. Oh
1: yeah, he has the wizard cap.
2: Yeah. And which made him even taller and you're like, "Okay, this guy's going to be badass." And then he gets in there and he's like all glaring out his eyes and shit. <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay, no, this isn't gonna work.
1: Anything to say about the match, though? This stunk. Oh, it was shit. This was this was bad. This should this should have been cut. I wouldn't have even put this on a Saturday night main event. And I knew when I saw Richard Morton walking out with him, I was like, Ricky Morton's in to take this pinfall. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Who's yeah. getting pinned in this match? Bischoff and Shivani preview Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes taking on Larry Zbysko and Stunning Steve. This all comes down to what all stems back to when Zbysko slammed the door. On Barry Wyndham's Windham, limo, and he slammed it on Barry Wyndham's hand. And do you know where that took place at? No. Right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee at Halloween Havoc
2: 1991.
1: <laughs> a <laughs> what, date that will live in infamy for Barry Wyndham. One of my favorites, actually. This my, was a good angle. WCW didn't usually ran, do angles like that. They ran
2: off of this with uh, with the tag team of Barry Wyndham and Dusty Rose. They ran this ran straight off of this, this Halloween Havoc that was here for a good two years.
1: Well, and Zabisco got a whole nickname now. He's the Cruncher, yeah, because the the sound the door handle or the door made on uh, the hand. TV champ Stunning Steve is out with Larry Zabisco and Medusa. They're all part of uh, the Dangerous Alliance, so they're all coming out to Medusa. Looked really good here, by the way. I thought she was very good looking. Did I, you see her JBL
2: thing? I was just about to say I did. I even it. for an
1: older woman who's had some plastic surgery, she looks fantastic today. Yeah, yeah. I did note in that. In the JBL interview, I did find it funny. You know how WWE is always like, in their minds, like, women's wrestling was, yeah, Alundra Blaze, then Skanks brawling, then Trish and Lita, and that's like, oh, and then we went back to Skanks or whatever. Yeah. And so JBL's like, so what'd you think of Trish? And she's like, I didn't really like Trish. And yeah. that's all I'm going to say about it. what do <laughs> like, you think of Lita?
2: Yeah, I didn't like her either. Well,
1: because she has a point, though, that they were originally brought in for their looks. I mean, yeah. not not so much Lita, but definitely Trish. Like, yeah. And, and Trish did improve to be a great wrestler but and and lita
2: did i mean lita did phenomenal things uh in the ring when as it pertains to high flying for for female wrestlers and so uh yeah they it didn't give Trish and lita their just due she didn't really give well it to i them.
1: i enjoyed that though because i liked that perspective because you know i think the wwe builds trish and lita up a little too high i mean I, they're great but i don't think they're As to date,
2: and I'm going to make this statement, and it's going to make people angry, but as to date, I still think Trish Stratus is the greatest female wrestler of all time.
1: Oh, that's ridiculous!
2: I do. (laughs) That's look at how many fans. Look at how. How many butts and seats? Look at how well, much. By that metric,
1: you she could say guys, Sable's the she, best. She had guys wearing her shirts. You could say, by the same metric, that Sable was one of the greatest. And
2: Trish never said no. It didn't matter how demeaning or how uplifting. All the way around the board, Trish was
1: like, "Sure." No, I think Medusa's way better than Trish ever was. At oh,
2: City. I mean, athletics, athleticism-wise, yeah. But I mean, the the part part of it was was Medusa, Lunderblaze. She 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 came along at a a dry spot for women's wrestling. She came along when you didn't really, they did the women's division all over again. And how many women did they get for, for it in the early nineties? One other right. woman. And she wrestled her, what, 10 times.
1: Yeah. They always have to bring in women from Japan.
2: Yeah. But it was usually like two women. That was it. And that was the only female wrestlers that they had. So um, it, it, it stands to date with, Who you have to work with as well.
1: And she didn't have anybody to work with. The natural Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham are out next. The heels, stunning Steven, Zabisco get the jump on the faces, but the faces fight them off. Dustin and Austin will pair off to start the match. Zabisco and Windham brawl on the outside. Dustin backslides Austin for a two count. We get a bionic elbow from Dustin, and he catches Austin with a clothesline as Austin tried to jump off the top turnbuckle. Wyndham tags in, and he dropkicks Austin. He puts Austin in the heels corner because he wants Larry to tag in. He wants Larry. He doesn't want to fight Austin. Zabisco makes the tag. Wyndham back body drops him onto the ramp and then takes a clothesline. He hits a big DDT on Zabisco in the ring. Dustin tags in, and he tries to break Larry's left arm in retaliation for what he did to Barry Wyndham, which I thought was good match psychology. Wyndham tags back in and gut-wrenches Zabisco for a two-count. He attempts a pile driver, but Austin breaks it up before it can happen. Barry Wyndham gets thrown outside where Austin throws him into the guardrail. And then Zabisco crotches him on the guardrail. Austin's now the legal man somehow, and he clotheslines Wyndham and vertical suplexes him. Then Austin hits a nice belly-to-back suplex for a two-count on Barry Wyndham. Zabisco locks Wyndham in a sleeper after he makes a tag, but then Wyndham uses a jawbreaker to escape. Rhodes gets the hot tag, and Austin tags in. Austin gets hit with an atomic drop, a dropkick, and a big elbow for a two-count. Austin hits Rhodes with a clothesline from hell that... Slows him down a little bit. Zabisco tags in and hits a swinging neck breaker on Rhodes for a two count. Medusa slaps Dustin Rhodes. Rhodes stalks her down the ramp, but Austin goes and breaks it up and saves Medusa. Polly dangerously is not at ringside, and JR mentions that's because he trusts Medusa to take care of things. Ventura thought he was banned, but that's only for one match coming up later in the evening. The Cruncher hits a backbreaker on Dustin Rhodes and complains to the ref about his slow counts. The ref, by the way, Nick Patrick, with his slow counting. <laughs> Uh, Rhodes' vertical suplexes him and needs to make the tag to Wyndham. Then Austin tags in. He locks a headlock on Dustin and uses the ropes as leverage. Dustin hits a stun gun on Steve Austin. So Dustin Rhodes hits Austin's finisher on him. Zabisco and Wyndham tag in. Wyndham hits a top rope lariat and gets the win in 18 minutes, 23 seconds. So Barry Windham has the last laugh for his broken arm. But this feud wouldn't end, I guess, technically until Wrestle War in the... Uh, In the war games match is the official ending of it, and then
2: and for this tag team, like I said, they still ran another year and a half probably with this tag team. Oh, with Dustin and uh, Barry Wyndham running off of the Halloween Havoc, he saved him from getting his hand getting his hand chopped off, basically, or something like that. Yeah,
1: Jusha and Thunder Liger still wrestling. Here we are, Dustin Rhodes still wrestling today. Yeah, I mean, just it's really really crazy to to think that. This guy's still in the business and still performs at a very high level. hmm Yeah. Missy Hyatt is backstage with Ricky Steamboat. Well, she wants to get an interview with Ricky Steamboat, but the ninja is guarding the door. The ninja's not letting her in. Why does a face like Ricky Steamboat have a manager called the Ninja? This seems very odd to me. This is to help him get Focused. Focused, get in, get with one. Get one with his chi, like uh like some kind of karma there thing. You go. So the ninja says, "Oh no, you can't go in there." but then he does open the door and you see there he's meditating. He's got candles everywhere. he's like in a trance and then a fire all the yeah way. Just a green fire. I, I thought he was like doing magic tricks or something in the in the dressing room. Medusa says she wants in there, but the ninja won't let her so she smacks the ninja. And then the ninja chases Medusa away. Why does Medusa want in there, Patrick? We'll, exactly. we'll have to see what happens later on tonight. The world tag team title match is next. And I have to say, for all the Steiner Brothers matches we've watched on this show, this is the first one that sort of let me down.
2: Oh, And see, I was going to make that, that statement. Because they're taking on beautiful Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. On pa- How could this be on bad? paper? On paper, that would be the greatest tag team <laughs> of all time. Bobby Eaton is the greatest tag team wrestler ever. And Arne, well, I mean, Arn's not far behind And Arn's not far behind him. So, on paper, this would be the greatest tag team of all time, bar none, period.
1: Taking on one of the great Steiner Brothers. So, yeah. I mean, when I saw this on the match card, I was like, oh man, this should be just amazing. They're going to tear the house down, yeah. But the ending, I think, really... Really hurt this match. Yeah. So the Steiner brothers are out first, and then we get the champions, Arn and Bobby Eaton, who are out with Pauly dangerously. But before the match can begin, Paul Heyman gets kicked out. The ref announces that the president of WCW has ordered him banned from ringside. So as he walks to the back, he trades places with Medusa. So now Medusa is going to help out the Dangerous Alliance once again. Bobby is going to start out with Scott Steiner. We get a nice fireman carry takeover slam on Bobby. A spine buster to Bobby. A belly to belly on Bobby. Bobby's selling. Yeah, Bobby love I mean, he's he loves to sell. I mean, yeah, this, he does. This guy makes everybody look like a million dollars. Arn and Rick Steiner tag in. Arn is hesitant to engage with Rick Steiner. So Rick kicks Arn in the head while he's on the floor. And Arn is scared so he backs himself up and ends up crotching himself on the turnbuckle to get away from Rick's head kicks to it. A- his downed head. Rick hits a clothesline and a big power slam on Arn Anderson. Then Arn and Bobby bail outside to regroup with Medusa to try to figure this thing out. Scott tags in and spins out of a double-team wrist lock that was applied to him from Arn and Bobby. He like backflips out of this thing. Then Rick hops in and clotheslines him over the over the ropes. The crowd goes nuts for the Steiner brothers. Once again, they are so over. They just The crowds love these guys, especially Rick. Rick is still... The uh, the star of the family. Arn tags in Bobby, who drags Scott to the ramp, but he takes a tilt-a-whirl slam on the ramp for his trouble. Then Rick tags in and puts Bobby on his shoulders for a Steiner line from Scotty, who springboards off the top rope. Very impressive. Rick Steiner knocks Bobby and Arn's heads together. Then he tries something off the top rope, but Bobby knees him in the balls as he comes off the top rope. I haven't seen that before. No. Very effective, though. Oh, it was effective. All right. Scott tags in and Arn chucks Scott's head into Bobby's. He throws Scott Steiner's head into his own teammates. Yeah. Very unusual offense there, too.
2: We never said the Steiner brothers were smart. Yeah. Steiner brothers are not smart. They're just forceful.
1: Bobby gets a top rope knee to Scotty's head on the mat, but only gets a two count. That's not the Alabama jam or whatever, right? That's just a leg drop. That's just a... Yeah. So this was a knee. I think this was more vicious because this was a knee. The top rope knee? Yeah. I think that's actually a more devastating-looking move. Arn tags in and hits a DDT on Scott Steiner, who kicks out of three cover attempts by Arn. If you don't get the first one, why not try it two more times? Wearing him down. Scott locks a body scissors on Arn, but Arn turns it into a Boston Crab. Rick gets the hot tag and cleans house. Arn puts Rick on his shoulders. Bobby dives off the top rope, but Rick counters it into a shitty looking slam we Yeah, saw it
2: was this. supposed to be some kind of a power slam what like, kind of like a scoop slam or you know shoot him off the ropes power slam we've seen the steiner brothers do this before but he just couldn't get it it just looked like shit it looked bad yeah and then he, he almost broke his own neck falling with him so yeah i mean it
1: good work rick hits a top rope bulldog on arn anderson who gets some powder from medusa some freedom powder and throws it in his face. Rick Steiner takes a fistful of powders. Arn gets the powder and throws it in Rick Steiner's face. Rick Steiner's confused. And Patrick, he assaults the referee. He belly to bellies the referee. Yep. Then a new ref comes out, which is definitely not how we do things in pro wrestling. We don't just send another ref no. out. Frankensteiner from Scott on Bobby. And the Steiners are the winners when Scott gets the, the gets a three here. Even though neither man is legal. Yeah. But then the refs have a conference and rightly reverse the decision and DQ the Steiners for belly-to-bellying the referee.
2: So your winners are beautiful Bobby Eaton and double-A Arn Anderson. Despite losing. Despite losing.
1: (laughs) Despite getting pinned. So referee Patrick Young, if you make a three count, if you were called out to replace the other ref, which you should have said no to anyway, because he'll get up eventually. Eventually. But you make a three count because you are now the ref in charge. Isn't your decision final? Nope. What? Nope. The referee who was in charge of that match,
2: the referee whose match was assigned to him, the assigned referee
1: makes the final decision. Period. Okay. Wow, that's it. I did not know that. See, I thought that whoever makes the initial decision.
2: Nope. The assigned referee to that match, has he is he is over that entire match, and his decision is final.
1: JR and Jesse mentioned that the illegal men were the one in the ring for the three count. And also, Ventura mentions that, yeah, they made the right call because you can't belly-to-belly belly a referee and keep going. Yeah. Missy is backstage with the ninja again. Ricky and the ninja then walk right past her when she tries to stop them for questions. So they're they're not talking. The time for talking the is over. The ninja
2: has gotten just a little bit chunkier, just saying.
1: Yeah, yes yes this is one of if you were watching this on tv it's very predictable what's going to happen in this match as soon as they walk out if you were at the live show you probably wouldn't have noticed because you didn't even see the backstage stuff. yeah but the ninja has gotten quite chunkier since we saw him chasing medusa off there's no poly dangerously allowed ringside for this u.s title match champion rick rude comes out first now Rick Rude gets the biggest heat. Oh my God. It drowns him out. It, is, his song is drowned out. He is trying to
2: do his whole sweat hogs. Sweat hogs. You inbred hillbilly redneck fat sweat hogs. Let me disrobe myself and show you what a real <laughs> man looks like. Every time he tries, they are so loud you can't even hear him over the microphone. Yeah, it's nuts. I'm going to hey, include it in
1: here. Yeah, because, because
2: he, and then he tries again, and he, and like on the sixth time, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it, and if they can't hear me, they can just get over it. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. It this was, was the
1: only time the crowd woke up all night, and it was yeah. just a boo Rick Rude. Let's listen to
3: the U.S. champion.
1: popular guy here at Super Brawl 2. Really?
0: Did not get a very nice reception until we say he got a rude reception here? Well, that he did, but you know, look at the field. Look at the shape that this guy is in. Did you ever look like that? Oh, I'll tell you. Look at these women. They can't believe
1: it. Rick Rude tells the crowd, listen up, you Milwaukee meatheads, you couch potatoes. Keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show you what. A real man looks like. Ricky Steamboat is out with the ninja who, yes, looks a little big to be a ninja. And so, as soon as I saw this, I thought, well, I know what's going to happen here. I can see it a mile away. I don't know what you're talking about. Steamboat does great arm drag takeovers and then chokes Rude. Steamboat locks in an arm bar and smacks Rude arm, uh, Rick Rude's arm on the turnbuckle. So, he, this is the story of the match. He wants to work Rick Rude's arm for some reason.
2: He can't hit the Rude Awakening if he does.
1: Good point. He'll get it in an arm bar. He'll kick it. He'll th- put it against the ropes and hit it. Then he does a hammerlock slam onto Rick Rude's arm, which is behind his back. That looked look nasty. Good strategy so far. He hits a crossbody for a two count. Ventura asked JR if he's going to buy that cowboy hat. JR says he'll think about it. <laughs> he eventually did buy that cowboy hat. Rude hits a clothesline on Dragon, on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, but it hurts his arm even more, that left arm. He hurt his own arm to throw this clothesline. He could have just hit it with the right arm, but Rude hits a swinging breaker and a pile driver, so now it's Rude is going to work on Steamboat's neck, and Ricky Steamboat is going to work on Rick Rude's arm. So that's the story of the match now. Steamboat locks Rude in a figure four, which now he's changed the strategy to the legs temporarily. Rude gets the ropes rather quickly. Rude clotheslines Steamboat from behind on his neck. Rude climbs to the top rope and smashes Steamboat's head and then does it again. So he's going to break Rick Steamboat's neck here. Rick Rude locks in a sleeper. Steamboat gets out and locks it on Rude, and he escapes with a jawbreaker. Steamboat superplexes Rude off the top rope. Steamboat then climbs upstairs and cuts Rude down with a big strike. He's going to go do it again. He's going to go hit his big top rope crossbody, his finishing move. But before he can... The ninja turns heel and hits Steamboat with the phone. With A, fo- a ninja had a phone. It's really yeah. weird. Had a big cellular phone. Yeah, I, that's weird. I didn't know big, ninjas carried cell phones. Big brick phone. That's how they call for backup. Oh. And the match ends in 20 minutes, 2 seconds. Your winner by DQ, Ricky Steamboat, which means the U.S. T- title stays with Rick Rude. What did you think of this match? Oh, it was a good yeah. match. Oh, I really enjoyed it. I hate... I
2: hate that it had to
1: be a fuck finish.
2: It but. had the potential of being match of the night. On paper, you put the two of them together, they're gonna to tear the house down. Uh I think they dropped the ball.
1: Yeah. I thought the match it had potential. It was it was a little too slow yeah. for my for my liking, especially when you know how fast that both of these guys can work at. Yeah. But they had to fill a lot of time because the main eventers, let's face it, Sting and Luger don't know a lot of wrestling moves.
0: Yeah.
2: So
1: they can only go so long. So these guys are going to be this, go out there and fill 20 minutes.
2: This was your
1: main event per se, really. You <laughs> if you like wrestling, this was your main event. Yeah, Yeah. yeah kind of disappointing, and I hated the fuck finish. Like, yeah. like I said, it's weird that it makes Steamboat look like an idiot because he wouldn't notice, hey, the ninja's fatter all of a sudden. Yeah. The ninja's different. And he doesn't know Chinese and Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Here's this American. He doesn't know how to speak Chinese or Japanese. Yeah. And he's got a ninja that only speaks Japanese. Yeah. As his manager. Can't tell him shit. (laughs) I can't talk to him. Good point. Yeah. I would have been like, wait a minute here. Ricky Steamboat, big big dummy is basically what this match tells us. Eric and Tony toss to Missy Hyatt, who opens the door to Rude's locker room. And reveals, oh my goodness, what a shocker. Heyman is in the ninja suit. The mask is off. We see Heyman was the ninja. And he's with the Dangerous Alliance, and they're, I guess, celebrating their big victory tonight. But what's funny is after we, lo- the camera looks in the room, that tells us what we need to know. But then the camera comes back to Missy Hyatt, who says, we're looking at Polly dangerously in a ninja suit. Thank you. I needed that. Wrestling is never, they can't be subtle about anything. They need to, you to spell it out for you so they you want to make
2: sure you don't miss it
1: yeah because you're too stupid to put two and two together some people actually are well that's true this is again another feud that uh this makes that wrestle war 92 match uh the war games match why they went at it so hard at war games yeah. so but yeah this match uh didn't quite live up to potential for me but it was okay it was a lot more it was better than than most of the other matches on this card I'll say that so now it's time for the world title match, which, by the way, your guy, Gary Michael Capetta mentions, has a one-hour time limit. Could you imagine Luger going for an hour?
2: I can't imagine Luger going for 30 minutes, okay? <laughs> an hour is just a joke.
1: Luckily, you know, the network has the time on there, so I knew they weren't going to go an hour, but <laughs> Had man. you heard that? Would you have fast forward? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I... I wish that the network had a, a play like a one and a half times the speed, so you could play it just slightly fast forwarded. But in a one hour thing with Luger and Sting, it'd be on like three times, you know, yeah. fast forward. Yeah. Sting is out first. He's the challenger. He comes out. He, they put stairs up just for him to walk downstairs. Well,
2: they want to. He's got to have that epic. That he's got to have this epic entrance and something. Early, stairs is the best. Early nineties. That's the best they
1: can do. So. Luger comes out with Harley Race. He turned heel, Patrick. He turned heel at Great American Bash 91. Now, this is when he was supposed to wrestle Flair for the belt, but Flair took off with the belt Yeah, for WWF. So, at the last second, they had to scramble and made a cage match between him and Barry Windham for the title. And this is when Harley Race comes out and tells him to pile drive Barry Windham and turns him heel. He actually... that. Great American Bash ninety one. The belt that he wins is not even this WCW title belt. Not even this. Really, no, it's not Big Goldie, and it's not this WCW belt. It's like the NWA NWA like Midwestern Championship belt. They like like just slapped a WCW sticker on it, and we're like, don't show it to the cameras when you win it. And he pile drives Wyndham on this belt, so it's like a focused piece of the whole. Storyline. So the belt that he won that night, he couldn't show it to the camera because it was just they didn't even have enough time to make a fucking belt. I mean, that's how amateur hour WCW was. Like, well, I think it almost was kind of a was it a no show on Flair's part? Like, hey, I'm gonna. They thought they thought that they could work it out. Until the very last minute, but asking Ric Flair to be Spartacus was just too much for Ric Flair. He wasn't going to do that.
2: And then they sent him to get, they sent Doug Dillinger and two North Carolina Sheriff's Department deputies to Ric Flair's house to get the title. And Flair said, do you have my money?
1: Yeah. He wanted his $40,000
2: deposit back. And they're like, no, well then you're not getting the title. And by law, he was, he was correct in doing that. Yeah. And so they didn't get the title.
1: And they showed up on WWF TV. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. What's odd about this match is this. This is Luger's last match before departing for the World Bodybuilding Federation. This is his very last match until Monday Nitro 95 when he shows up again. So
2: he he was looking a little more jacked. Oh, uh, yeah. You
1: could tell Narcissus is on the way here. because
2: yeah, he was, yeah,
1: he was steroiding his ass out pretty much. Yeah. Also, what's odd about this match is that, so Luger's contract, he had a number of appearances. Mm -hmm. He had a number of matches he had to wrestle in 91. Yeah. And he did all of them. So he was basically telling them, I'm not going to, like, you're going to have to pay me to show up to wrestle these last few matches. So he wasn't even on Saturday night. He wasn't even on TV. For a good month. For, like, December till now. Yeah. So the fans haven't even seen him. Like, Sting has had to carry this program all on his own. Yeah. The hype around this match, like... The crowd was no... I mean, that's why the crowd was dead. It's just like, why am I excited about this match? Yeah. A shoot interview with Lex Luger from a couple of years ago, I'll put it at the end of the, the podcast, where he talks about the decision to jump to the World Bodybuilding Federation because he had to non-compete with WCW, but he, by doing the bodybuilding thing for a year, he could get around that and still be on TV and still be a character. Yeah. And also, he was tired. He said he worked uh, 300 dates in 1991, And had been pretty much on the you know, wrestling nonstop for several years and wanted a year off. And so Vince is gonna pay you to just sit around and work out and just bodybuild, you know, and yeah, do the bodybuilding thing. And so yeah, Luger definitely took him up on that offer and Which wasn't a bad idea. It wasn't a bad, you know, settlement on
2: Luger's part either. I would have took it.
1: And I mean Luger's only feud in between winning the belt and sting was with Ron Simmons where he wanted Ron Simmons to be a chauffeur. So oh. that so Luger's a racist. Oh
2: wow. This is like some man, we could get away with stuff like that today. <laughs> I'll tell you right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: Luger was like, You want to join my crew? And Ron Simmons was like, Hell yeah, I'll join your crew, and then Luger's like, You'll be my chauffeur. <laughs> so that was that was the feud for Halloween Havoc ninety uh, one was Luger and Ron Simmons fighting over being a limo driver.
2: That's right. And it happened here in Chattanooga. That Another, bad.
1: yeah. Well, uh-huh. oof. I don't know if we want to remember that. Then. They are fighting for the ugly WCW world title belt, not Big Goldie. What do you think of this belt?
2: I like this belt still, though. It's
1: okay. It's a uh, it's a lot better than the world title we got today. <laughs> oh, da- it's better than, yeah, any current belt we have. Did you see how they replaced the uh, New Day's title belts? So now they're silver. They're with a red strap, and they have silver coins instead of copper coins on the front of them.
2: But they're the best looking titles right now that WWE has, because they look like actual belts, somewhat.
1: Yeah, yeah. Until that UK belt shows up, because I think that's the best. That looks, title.
2: yeah, that looks badass. Somebody has actually gone out and already recreated that UK belt on the uh, the video game.
1: Oh, cool. I'll be downloading that soon then. Oh. Well, I think this one, what makes this one so ugly is coming from Big Goldie to this belt is like, yeah, yeah, a big drop off. The whole reason I picked this pay per view, by the way, is because this is one of those, this is very odd to me because Luger and Sting, it's like Arn, or Arn and Flair, basically, like two guys that, yeah, they wrestled some matches together, yeah. but for the most part, were always friends yeah. on screen, even when Luger was a heel in like 95, 96. Like, Sting was like, yeah, you're a heel, but you're still my best friend, or whatever. So that's I just wanted to see a Luger Sting match to see what that was like. Boy, I made the wrong choice. <laughs> it so was,
2: it was it was shit. It was
1: bad. yeah. So it starts out. Here's how you don't want to start out. Well, you can start out a match like this, but you can't do it the way they did. So you start out with jawing. Like they start out, Luger is just standing there and stings jawing at him. Yeah, trying to talk some sense into him. I guess.
2: Well, I mean, and even. You know, you have seen Austin and Rock do it. I think that's a great way to start. You see, you saw Hond, Andre yeah, it, and, and Hogan do it. It, it.
1: kind of reminded me of uh, Rock Hogan how yeah. they stood, how they stood in the middle and tried to get you know the crowd to really like, oh my goodness, what are we about to witness or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The way it's the way they were talking to each other because Sting is like John Adam and Luger just stands there and doesn't say anything back at first. He just sort of nods. If you're going to do
2: that, you, you and you know the cameras are going to be up close. Make get, sure you work your facial
1: in, facial expressions. Or Maybe. get right up in their face. Point a finger. Yeah. Do something to something. just heat it up. Throw your s-
2: hands up and, you know, don't just stand there with them down the side like, what's up?
1: Yeah, that's what it looked like. It looked like two guys just reading lines to each other. It, yeah. look, it looked like us doing, we're more animated than they are doing this podcast. And, and we're, we're sitting the- behind a microphone. So Luger just sort of nods as Sting is like running him down, you know, reading him the riot act. They talk. This goes on for the first couple minutes of this match, it felt like. Them just standing there talking. Great, I'm here to watch an interview. So then Luger pushes Sting. So Luger makes the first move. Sting pushes back. They lock up, but Nick Patrick breaks them up for some reason. (laughs) So we can't even lock up. We can't even do anything. Oh, and I mentioned here, Luger really needs to wear a cup because I can see the total package. (laughs) Luger takes a Stinger splash, but he no-sells it. And level Sting with a clothesline. Now, if I'm Sting and I know that Luger's leaving, I'm saying you're not no-selling my fucking Stinger Splash. Oh, yeah. I'll whip you back into the corner and do it again. Yeah. But we're not going to make you look good on your way out the door. Yeah. We get a power slam on Sting. Luger calls for the torture rack already. And then when he lifts Sting up for it, Sting flips out of it and then suplexes Luger. Then Sting tries to torture rack Lex Luger. And... Does for a little bit. Does for a second before Luger slips out of it. Sting hits a big DDT on Luger, and Luger rolls out, and Harley Race goes over and massages his shoulders. Oh, it'll be okay, Lexi. It'll be all right. Get back in there. He gets back in the ring, and Sting chokes Luger with a boot in the corner. Sting tries the Scorpion Deathlock, but he's too close to the ropes. Luger press slams Sting, then Luger goes for a pile driver and gets it. Goes for the cover, but he doesn't hook the leg, as Ventura points out. And he only gets a two count on Sting from the uh, pile driver, the Harley Race pile driver. Sting hulks up and relentlessly strikes Luger, slams Luger's face down into the mat and rubs his face in it. Race tries a pile driver on Sting on the outside of the ring, but Sting gets out of it. Sting climbs up to the top turnbuckle and hits a high cross on Luger and wins the match. Anticlimactic ending to a slow prodding main event world title match. Especially when we just watched Flair make Sting look like a million dollars. This is how to make neither guy look like a million dollars, basically. We really I really miss Ric Flair on this show. Yeah. And he wouldn't be back for another Year and couple a of years. Yeah. And then uh in the meantime, Sting gets into his program with Vader, which is entertaining, but it's not this is I would say this is we're heading into the darkest WCW era before like Vince Russo gets there. Yeah. This is the the downtime. And a downtime in the business in general because you have the steroid scandal in WWF and you have Hogan leaves and uh Ultimate Warrior leaves and so just the star power is just dri- drifting away. Yeah. This is when you're starting the new generation. Yeah. And all that.
2: And so you ha- you have wrestling, but you don't have it's not it's not hot. You don't have your your mega stars. Yeah. So it's
1: yeah. So, what'd you think of the show overall? It was shit. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a little bit better than shit. It's <laughs> it's better than Final Four.
2: Uh, uh, no, yeah, I agree. It was it wasn't that bad. Uh, there was actually some pretty good matches on there. I just I, like I said at the start, uh, after Jushin and Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman, it it went downhill. There wasn't no there wasn't no coming yeah. back. You, you figured. When I had Ron Simmons, Cactus Jack, I was like, okay, they're going to tap the brakes. We might get a little level playing field. And then we went, we started dropping with the next one. Then we hit Barry Windham, or I mean, uh, yeah, Barry Wyndham, Dusty Roads or Dustin Rhodes, and uh, Austin and Zabisco, and it was like, hey, you know, they're tapping the brakes some more. We're going to stay pretty... Pretty solid, and then we hit Steiner's with Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. I was like, "All right, this is turning out the the ship matches are over with. We're good. We're going back up. It stayed plateaued, and then your main event just left it. Your main (laughs) event. We fell off the cliff. Yeah, this was you reached the end of the world on the main event. You just had nowhere to go. Nowhere
1: to go. Yeah, it was very much peaks and valleys on this pay per view. Yeah, you start out on a peak with uh, Pillman and Liger. Then you drop way down for Bagwell and Terry Taylor. Then you say, okay, Ron Simmons, Cactus Jack, we're good for a while. Oh, Van Hammer, up, down again. Yeah. Barry Windham, up, good, good again. Oh, Arn Anderson, Bob Eaton, this is good. Rick Rude, this is okay. We're staying all right. And then, woo, right, yeah, just right off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The WCW train went, the ice train went right off the cliff here in WCW. Yeah, sorry about this pick. Oh, Uh, you're good. Uh, like I said, I was, it was I was just curious to see. Also, it was another Sting title win, which really in WCW he didn't get a lot of title wins. You know, especially yeah. when you consider Flair. You know, won titles every time. Yeah, almost every time Ric Flair won, he yeah. he had a title match. Uh, so this is I think Sting had like five or six title runs, and this is one of them. Uh, title wins and this is one of them and so and it's also one of his very rare matches against lex luger which you think these guys are buddies they work out together they know each other you'd think that they'd put on a great match but yeah no no not that was not the case yeah luger was getting nice and pumped up for wwf and he definitely he could have beat doug furnace on the uh the roidy the roidy scale yeah, he on this was right one. there he was close on our scale our extraordinary rating scale of Hornswoggle to El Gigante, Giant Gonzalez, where would you rank this show?
2: I'm going to go with a
1: Chavo Guerrero. Senior or junior? Junior. I'm going to give this a Jushin Thunder Liger, a 5-7. Five, a five so we're, we're right there about the same. Yes, this is... Uh, I would be really upset if I had spent money to watch this back in 92. Yeah, it was easy to keep up with Super Brawls because... Super Brawl One was in '91. This is Super Brawl Two in '92. That's a great, yeah. yeah. Well, Patrick, that was my pick for this week. i and my, and my final pick for 2016. I'm sorry that we ended 2016 on such a down note, but it's it's okay. See,
2: so it's my pick now. And how Final Four is one of your favorites, like one of your personal, just like go to ones. I have a few. Now, I was going to say Halloween Havoc here in Chattanooga. We'll save that one for a later time, seeing as how we've done the pay-per-view before and after. (laughs) Yeah, we've almost done all of 92's pay-per-views in WCW. So so we're going to hold off on that. We'll do that later on throughout 2017, I'm sure. I'm going to go to my next one. Clash of the Champions. I'm unfamiliar of
1: what happens. Knoxville,
2: Tennessee. Your main event is one of the greatest Clash of the Champions main events of all time in a two out of three falls match with... Beautiful Bobby Eaton finally stepping into the spotlight and getting to go one-on-one for the world heavyweight title against Ric Flair in a two-out-of-three falls match.
1: Wow. I never knew that Bobby had a world title shot. June twelfth, 1991, so one of Flair's final WCW matches before he departs. And
2: he he goes out on a high note because this match, athleticism-wise, this match is awesome phenomenal and they gave it away for free on tbs this match is one of those hey kids you better sit up and watch because this is how it's done
1: also on the card here's what we have to look forward to you mentioned we mentioned uh Vinny vegas well he'll be a- appearing as oz against johnny rich dan spivey and big josh dustin rhodes terry taylor sting nikita koloff hey that's a good match Barry Windham and Arn Anderson team up to take on Brian Pillman. And El Gigante, another El Gigante siding. Steiner Brothers and Masahiro Chono and Hiroshi Hase. And then the Diamond Stud and Tommy Rich. So a lot to look forward to on that card. Uh, not of these, uh, looking at the... I don't want to give too much away, but the, uh... Everything except the main event is a very short match. So this will be an easy watch. Yeah, it'll be an easy watch. I'm glad it's an easy watch to start 2017 because Super Brawl 2, not so much an easy watch at certain points. I'm of the starting show. this on a high note.
2: I'm starting yes. this off with a high
1: note. So. Yeah, I I think my next pick will be an hour-long Raw or something just to get it over with. So, yeah. <laughs> no more three-hour shit shows for a while. Uh, I, I like this. I like this pick. I'm very interested to see. Bobby Eaton take on the greatest of all time, the GOAT. And you're, and you're, and in your opinion, Bobby's the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. So yeah. two of the best, two of your Mount Rushmore pro wrestling taking taking each other on. so Tearing the house down. You can find all our episodes at RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. And that'll do it for 2016 and for this week's episode. I'm Intern Alex. And I am the one and only,
2: the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing line's
1: a clothesline. line. Bingo, bingo.
3: Um, I felt like WCW was sort of struggling. Flair had mid—I think mid-year—I was going to wrestle him for the world title in Baltimore, and Flair had to deal with Flair went to WWF at the time with the, his, his his belt, so we were left basically beltless. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became the world champion. It was funny in the, in the, uh, they didn't have time to make a belt because it kept them hoping. We all hoped that Rick would stay with us. Right. So we're leading up to the whole day of the pay per view in Baltimore, Sean. We didn't have we didn't have another belt, so they they made kind of like a fake belt. They go, look, when you win the, I ran up wrestling Barry Windham in a cage. Uh-huh. He was number one contender since Rick wasn't there right. or the belt, and they said you are going to bring Harley Race in and we'll do everything we can. They brought Harley in, still hoping Rick might show up, but he didn't. Right. So they brought Harley in, they were to put a bunch of stuff around it. We needed all the help we could get. It was wonderful. Harley came in. Yeah. he go, and let's use the belt and use Harley's finish, because he's going to be your manager after that. Mm-hmm. So let's use the belt on Barry and pile drive Barry on the belt and win the title. Because I was, I was a babyface at yeah. the time. So we'll make you an instant world champion with Harley racing manager, using his finish and cheating to win. So, which was, you know, we were all kind of in the scramble mode. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, but they told me, but don't hold the belt up towards all the camera guys who inside everything, because they go, be it's, not, it's not yeah. the real belt. Yeah. Not that we're going to really fool anybody, but I thought that was kind of humorous, yeah. uh, the way it all came down.
2: So, at what point do you make contact with Vince McMahon to be, to be brought in? Now, you've got a year left on your WCW contract. This is the reason you had to be put into WB-
1: WBF because you couldn't be shown on WWF TV because it was a direct right. competitor of WWF. So
3: to move forward, the remainder of the year, the company was in so much turmoil that they were really, they didn't know really, I felt like they weren't sure which direction they wanted to go. They were making cutbacks. They even talked about letting Harley go at the time. And I was like, man, this isn't good. Mm-hmm. Not a good sign. Yeah. Uh, Ted Turner always taught us we'd always have wrestling, but... Vince had always been the clear number one at that point, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I, I always had aspirations of if the opportunity came to come there. So I actually called Vince on the phone and said, if I have a year left of my contract, if I became available for the bodybuilding, if I took a year off and really trained and got in the best shape of my life, I always wanted to. See what he'd like to not be traveling on the road and eating in airports. The airport food was awful back then. If we want to date back to 92, 93. I believe it. And it's a lot better now. It's actually fabulous now. But I, uh, I said, man, we could, I could do the WBF and do the show and be like a guest poser. And, and, and I go, I just kind of threw the idea to him. And he said, you know, no, let me think about that. And he called me back. Man, it must have been a couple weeks later and said, I, 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 think, I think it's just very interesting. I think I'd like to maybe pursue this. And obviously I still had to um, get out of my contract with WCW, but at the time, what I told them was that I was burned out, which I was, and uh, I've been wrestling hard over 300 nights a year since I came in in 86. I told him I need some time off. I wasn't sure what I was gonna do, which was a lie at the time, because I'd already pretty much had my sights set and Vincent pretty much agreed that I could come in under a WBF contract.
1: Mm-hmm with the hopes of then, well, with the understanding that later. Well, I was
3: going to sign a one-year WBF contract, instead of, so instead of finishing my last year with WCW, I would, I would sign an agreement, and since I thought they were in the cost-cutting mode, I was one of their biggest contracts. I so said, I'll give you that one-year contract. Mm. Just let me do things outside of wrestling. I won't wrestle. So they were, they were, they were cool with it,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which gave me the opening for Vince to sign me as a bodybuilder, not as a wrestler. Right. So it was kind of a win-win at the time.
0: You always were there, always beside me Holding my hand every step of the way Through these eyes you could do no wrong in these eyes, you were brave and strong. In my heart, those days live on. You were my hero.